Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You say, well, Pastor Mark, this is kind of rough for... Paul writing about hell or whatever, and God wrote about it in the book of Revelation 2 with that angel. What's the deal here? Do you know that Jesus wrote about hell more than heaven? Why? Because he's angry with you? No, because he loves you. It's a loving warning, and it comes from our God. Remember, there's only two places. Everybody will be in heaven with God or in hell, separated from God. God desires everyone to come to salvation. Hollywood likes to portray pastors as semi-unbalanced, wild-eyed guys who have secret doubts about their faith, but who preach about hell and damnation. This portrayal is, of course, an extreme exaggeration that shows their ignorance about what the Bible says a pastor should be like. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the end times and God's judgment on the earth. You'll find out how much Jesus talked about hell. You might be surprised. Pastor Mark will be telling you why you should talk about hell with your friends and family, and we'll show you the best way to do that. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as he continues his message, The Importance of God's Truth and Our Future Destination. Now, why are those who are being deceived by the Antichrist, why are they perishing? Look at verse 10. Here's the first reason. There's two reasons. Here it is. They perish because they refuse to love the what? The truth. There's the word again. And so be saved. Notice, the truth in becoming a Christian, being saved, having your sins forgiven are directly related. If you don't believe God's truth, you'll never be saved. Jesus is the only way. And so he just says this, they perish because they refuse. They refuse their decision, their will, to love the truth and be saved. So here's number one. You can write it down. Reason number one, they are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. In other words, they have their own path in life. They continually choose sin, my way. I did it my way. Remember the song? That's what they're doing it. But they don't realize they're not doing it their way. They're doing it the deceiver's way, Satan. Understand that. Now, they've chosen that path. The Antichrist will mislead people. Why? Because he's called a deceiver. He hasn't only blinded people's eyes that we learned. They don't understand the gospel. But here's what Satan does. Started back in the Garden of Eden. 
Remember the warning God gave Adam and Eve in the garden? He said this, you can have everything that's here. There's a million trees. I don't know how many they were. The fruit's great. It's organic. <laughs> you know why it was organic? There was no sin yet. You believe everything you buy that's organic, it's organic, right? Hell, stupidos. <laughs> we have no idea where it came from. Am I right? Yeah, right. So in the Garden of Eden, what did God say to Adam and Eve? Don't go by that tree. If you do, here comes the same warning. You will die spiritually and physically. Now, did he give that warning because he hated Adam and Eve? Same principle. Why am I giving you this warning? Because I hate you. No, because I love you. That's what I'm supposed to do as a pastor. I do love you. And what did Adam and Eve do? Adam wasn't deceived. Basically, Eve was deceived. And why? Why was she deceived? Satan came to her and said, God didn't say that. There's the doubting. Her husband went along with it. What happened? You and I have a sin nature. It went to all people. The baby I dedicated this morning. It came from a mom and dad that are human just like us. All of sin falls short of God's glory. All of us. And so when we have a child, what do we do? We pass the sinful DNA on. That's why Jesus Christ came, to eliminate that. Now, what am I saying that Satan does to the truth way back then? There was no Bible then. Satan denies God's truth. He dilutes God's truth. And he causes people to doubt God's word. That's exactly the way it is. Now, I don't want you to copy this, but I want you to see how he does it. You know today there's tons of churches that will teach part of this. But when they get to something they don't like, they just don't teach it. Or they'll say, no, it's not what it means at all. Well, that's wrong because Satan has got them already deceived. And you'll see that at the end. Take a look at this. I don't want you to write it. I want you to understand. Notice every one of these starts with a lie. A lie is the opposite of what? Truth. Here we go. Lie. Drugs will bring you long-lasting euphoria. Lie. Alcohol will bring peace and deaden the pain of life. It might for a couple hours, but then it will absolutely be useless. Next, sex outside of marriage will bring love and fulfillment. Maybe on a one-night affair, then your life is changed, your marriage is destroyed, and your kids are lost. Where did that come from? Giving in to a lie from Satan. Next, money and possessions will bring happiness. How many know that that's not true? Let me see your hands. Praise God, we got rich people in this body. <laughs> Woo! Look at those people. I'm just joking. Where did we learn that principle from the Old Testament? You'll never have what? Enough. You always want what? More. Exactly. Next, doing life without God will bring you freedom. That's a lie from Satan. What does the Bible say? Jesus, who the sun sets, is free. Yeah, good job. Satan says, no, it'll bring you bondage. No, that's a lie. That's totally a lie. Maybe the biggest one of all. This is why most people, unless they get this, will spend eternity in hell. And they'll be shocked out of their minds when they arrive there. Here it is. Good people go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Ephesians tells us you can't be good enough. Only forgiven people go to heaven. 
I'd like to say I could forgive you. Impossible. A church can't forgive you. Only Jesus can forgive you. Why? Because he paid for your sin on the cross. So see those lies? What does Satan want to do? He wants you with him. God wants you with him in heaven. Look at what God will do. Now, this is going to be strange to you, but just hold on. Verse 11, for this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion. So they will believe the lie. Whoa. Now, why is he doing that? Look at verse 12. And so that all will be condemned. They'll believe the lie, even though they kind of think it's probably a lie. They'll be deluded, and they will absolutely believe it. All will be condemned who have not believed the truth. But here's the second thing. They've delighted in wickedness, their sinful lifestyle. All will be condemned. Jesus will come with his mighty angels. Paul wrote this in the first letter he wrote. Jesus will come with his mighty angels in flaming fire, bringing judgment on those who don't know God. See, you can know about God, but that doesn't get you to heaven. Satan knows about God. You have to know God personally. Who don't know God and on those who refuse to obey the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, they will be punished with eternal destruction, forever separated from the Lord and from his glorious power. See, man was created to know God and fellowship with God. In hell, there's no fellowship. There's no forgiveness. There's no hope. There's no peace. There's no comfort. There's no love. But people don't know that. You hear people joking all the time. Man, my good friends are going to be down there. We're going to party forever. That's a total lie. You say, well, Pastor Mark, this is kind of rough for Paul writing about hell or whatever. And God wrote about it in the book of Revelation 2 with that angel. What's the deal here? Do you know that Jesus wrote about hell more than heaven? Why? Because he's angry with you? No, because he loves you. It's a loving warning. And it comes from our God. Remember, there's only two places. Everybody will be in heaven with God or in hell separated from God. God desires everyone to come to salvation. Now, here's the problem. Why does God allow them, basically, gives them a delusion to believe something that's not true? Why in the world would God do that? Here's why. When people refuse to believe God's truth, eventually, God will say this, have it your way. You choose Go ahead and accept evil as good and a lie as truth. He lets them pursue their own evil desires, and they will experience the consequences of rebellion and sin. Since they prefer their way, which are lies and not God's truth, God obliges them with delusions. I can say it very simply like this. God said, I've tried over and over to share the good news with you. I tried to warn you that if you make the wrong decision, you'll be punished forever. I don't want that. But if you choose to do it your way, I'm done. Have it your way. You say, well, what kind of a God is that? A very patient God. But there comes a point when it's over. 
I don't know where that line is. None of us want to ever get close to that line. You see, there comes a point when God says, why should I do this? You've been doing this your whole life. You're not interested. Here's really what he's saying. Listen to this. You don't want to do life with me here. You're not going to do life with me in heaven. Why would you want to do your life here so that you can just please yourself and then you want to go to heaven and spend it with God? No, they won't. He says, if you won't do life with me here, you won't ever do life with me. You do life apart from me. Now, that's not anger. That's just common sense. And God will say, I'm very patient, but that's it. So that's what we see here. So here's the second reason these people are perishing. They're perishing because they delight in a sinful lifestyle. In other words, I am enjoying my life. Sin is a pleasure. We know that. But it's short. Choose to sin. Choose to suffer. That's all through the Bible. Adam and Eve. Choose to sin. You'll suffer because of it. We suffer today because of it. So the further a person allows themselves to continue in sin, what happens to their heart and what happens to their conscience? Nothing gets through. Before your heart was hard and your conscience was seared, you could understand guilt. You could see that's wrong, that's wrong. Pretty soon, who cares? And that's exactly what happens. Our merciful God hells out the truth, had an opportunity. Please repent of your sins. Put your trust in God as your personal Savior. But these believers refuse to repent and accept God's offer of salvation. Now, when that happens, there's something that starts salvation. It's repentance. The very first thing. Look at this definition of repentance. True repentance is a change of the mind. Where is the battle when we're trying to decide something spiritually? Where is the battle? It's in the mind. As we think, the Bible says, so we become. So here it is. True repentance is a change of the mind. Now, here's the key. That results in a change of our way of living. Some people, they say they repent because they're sorry. But what they're sorry about is they got caught. Do you understand that? You make a little cake, and you say to your five-year-old son, don't touch that icing cake. I have friends coming over this evening. An hour later, it's very quiet in the house. <laughs> and you walk in, here's the chocolate all over the face. And what does he learn to say? Mommy, I'm sorry. No, you're sorry you got caught is all you're sorry. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of the way of living. You see, let's just say this, B. I'm serving myself. I'm doing life my way. And I'm, this is my life. I just do life my way. When I realize I'm a sinner and I need to change, repentance means I change my way of living. I go the opposite direction. I follow God and not myself. I obey the word and not what I think is right. I just obey the word. That's a lifestyle that proves true repentance happened in your life. Now, when John the Baptist started his ministry as a precursor to Jesus, here's what he said. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. 
When Jesus, first things that happened when Jesus in Matthew chapter four, when Jesus began to preach, he said to all the people, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. When Peter, after he was restored on the day of Pentecost, there were 3,000 people that heard his sermon. What was the first words he said? Repent. See, that's the key. Repentance is really the first word of the gospel. Now, during the tribulation, people will believe Satan's lies. Remember I told you? They'll just believe it because they've refused to do it. And they refuse to repent and believe God. Let me just read you two verses. This is during the period of Revelation. Watch this. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magical arts, their sexual immoralities, or their thefts. These are people during the tribulation. They refused to repent. Here's another one. They were seared by the intense heat. They cursed the name of God who had control over the plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify God. So the warning from the Apostle Paul speaks about during that part of the tribulation. Billions of believers, unbelievers, will go in and they'll refuse to believe even though they heard the gospel and they'll end up in hell. But many will go to heaven because they did believe it, but many of them during that time will die for their faith. But it's worth it because you're going to go to heaven. Why would anybody today refuse God's free gift of salvation? We're not in the tribulation. You're not suffering. Why would anybody today refuse God's free gift of salvation? Because the battle continues. Truth and lies, deception of Satan. Here we are 2,000 years after Paul's warning. And it's still happening. Satan's actually more active today than he's ever been in our world. Look at our world. It's unbelievable. Now, there's two reasons that unbelievers in our world today don't come to Christ. Here they are. Now, notice I add something. Same thing we just went through, but I added a word. Today. Today, people are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. They refuse it. Not interested. Not interested in hearing it at all. Number two. Today, people are perishing because they delight in a sinful lifestyle. I enjoy what I'm doing? Forget it, baby. I don't care about my destination. That's foolish. Now, Paul writes to young Timothy, a pastor. And this was 2,000 years ago. Here gives a warning. It's a challenge, first of all, to pastors. Look at these words. I solemnly urge you, in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. That will be the time of the second coming. So what does he say to pastors? Preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. In many churches today, if you preach the word of God, they're going to kick you out of the church. So what do pastors do? Well, I'll dilute it so I can stay there. Wrong decision. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. That's written to me, to all of our pastors. Forget the good teaching. The teaching I'm giving you is God's word. It's not about me. But I want you to understand. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage. What have I tried to do so far? Exactly that. To patiently correct. Sometimes, don't do that. Rebuke. And what? Still encourage you. That's what a pastor does. 
Thank God that we have pastors. That's what we do here. Why? Because we believe the truth. There are no perfect pastors, ask my wife. No, you don't have to. You know me. <laughs> Look what happens next. For a time is coming. He said to Timothy 2,000 years ago, a time is coming. By the way, it's arrived. When people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and look for teachers in other churches who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. The bottom line to this, look at this. Remember the word I told you? Truth. They will reject the truth and chase after myths or chase after lies. It's exactly where we are today. But God's going to bring a revival, and we're going to see lots of people coming to Christ. That's his heart. Continue to pray about it. Believe it. Understand that. Now, all of us kind of love to travel. And when you're going to travel, you have to do one, especially during your vacation time. You probably did that this summer. The first step in traveling is to decide where you want to go. So you get, if you're married, you get a husband and wife and you talk about it, whatever. And of course, after they're talking, sometimes you have to have marriage counseling. And when, when you see that, you're, you're making it, basically what you're saying is, where should we go on, on, our, on, our, on our, our trip, our destination? Well, here's what I told you. God has reminded us the most important decision in your life is where you will spend your final life. Your destination is either heaven or hell. And that destination is your choice. Notice this statement, truth. Everyone will spend eternity in one or two destinations. See, you entered life with sin. Everybody did. I entered life with a sinful nature. So did you. If I don't do anything about it, if I ignore anything, all I have to do to continue to end in hell is what? Nothing. If I want to go to heaven, do I have to do something? Yes, I have to accept the gospel. I have to repent. I have to believe. And I have to put my faith in Jesus Christ. That changes my destination. It doesn't matter where you went this summer. Whether you went to Hawaii, whether you went to Mims. <laughs> what matters is where you're going for your eternal destination. Let me show you a verse or two. Yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's the steps. You have to believe, you have to receive, and when you receive it, before you receive it, you have to repent, and then you become a follower of God. Thanks for joining Pastor Mark today on Lessons for Living. If you'd like to hear more from this study, you can find additional teachings online now at calvaryccm.com. We know that this time in our world is uncertain one truth remains steadfast. God is in control. During this season, we encourage you to spend time in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of your Creator. 
As with many churches across our nation, Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne community are holding church online. The church isn't the building, it's the people who, despite whatever obstacles are in their way, still worship Jesus and praise His name. We'd love for you to join us. Visit calvaryccm.com forward slash live or join us over on Facebook, YouTube, or Roku. We'll be having services on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. We look forward to worshiping with you in this way until we can be gathered together as the body once again. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we are constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying about for you? Let us know by visiting our contact page at calvaryccm.com. Would you do the same for us? Please keep Pastor Mark and our church staff in your prayers, along with our nation's leaders and those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying. That's all for today. Join us again for another edition of Lessons for Living. Hear your